0: Welcome back to another episode of the Peers to Peers podcast. Today's episode is about the distance we feel between who we are and who we want to be. Our guest, Sophia Dano Okote, is a Nigerian-born entrepreneur who wanted to create something familiar rather than fashionable. The result is Basida, a black-owned boutique and online store based in Atlanta that offers women's fashion that's both sustainably and ethically made in Nigeria. With charm and allure, Sophia shares with us how entrepreneurship softened her, why she felt the need to wear a defensive armour in order to do her job, and the purpose driving her to disrupt fast fashion. For those of you who haven't yet, make sure to take a screenshot of this episode right now, post it to your Instagram story, and tag us at The Peers Project so that other peers out there can benefit from the wisdom of these incredible millennial entrepreneurs. Okay, now for the show. Welcome, Sophia. Sophia, welcome to the Peers to Peers podcast. We're so excited to have you on the show today.
1: Thank you. It is a pleasure to hear your beautiful Australian accent. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh my goodness. I love it. You know, you and I recently connected on LinkedIn and, and when I looked into you and all of the amazing work that you're doing in kind of ethical fashion and business, I knew I had to have you come on the show. So I really appreciate you taking the time.
1: Thank, thank you. It's such an honor. It's such a pleasure. I'm happy to be here.
0: Amazing. So look, for those of us who don't know who you are and what you do, tell us a little bit about yourself.
1: Right. So I'm the founder of Besida. We are a women's wear brand, all made in Nigeria. So we have an Afrocentric flair. We really work a lot with prints. So those bold, beautiful African prints that a lot of people, the wax prints as people um, know them. We sew our garments with them. I particularly love this brand. It's, it really started off as a passion project. It still is my passion project. (laughs) Um, And what I love most about the brand is that we are ethically made in Nigeria. So, our staff, which we opened a factory in 2018, a mini factory with like a team of five, um, are paid well above the standard wages for tailors there in Nigeria. So I really love that community aspect, being able to, to be able to go back home to Nigeria because that's where I'm from. I was born in Benin. And being able to hand work back to my home is so important to me because a lot of times we talk about helping the third world nations that we're from. We just don't know how to start. So for me, it's that, it's that passion behind the brand that I love so much. The business part of it um, came later, <laughs> came later. I think I actually want to say like, this is the first year that I became a businesswoman. It was always like, just make clothes and make them pretty. And now it's like, no girl, have a strategy, you know, like, stick to a plan. I, you can't just be making pretty clothes. But um, I think that this is the year where I became a businesswoman, honestly. And I've had the brand since 2015.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. It's so amazing. And oh my goodness, I've looked so much into the brand and and all the amazing stuff you're doing. I'm actually half Nigerian. So for me, it also no, speaks girl. to me. And I'm like, this is so awesome. <laughs>
1: I'm speaking, it to you. How about you? How you do? I love it. I'm fine.
0: (laughs) I absolutely love it, and I can't wait to dive deeper into the work you're doing and and all the good stuff. But before we do, I'd like to start with a question that I've often found to be very insightful and revealing, and that is, what was it like, you know, being born, being born in Nigeria, growing up there, your childhood? You know, talk to us a little bit about. You know how that time impacted, I guess, yourself and how you see the world.
1: Right. So I was born born there. I lived there nine years. So still enough for me to remember quite a lot. Of course, remember the food: Ogbono soup and um, pounded yam. You know, in um, where I'm from in Nigeria, we do banga soup and um, such. And for me, it was about family. I think the family aspect in Nigeria really is what stuck to me. And having to move here was just me and my mom. So I missed that a lot. I wasn't able to go back to Nigeria really until I graduated college. That was years later. And so that's what motivated me to want to go back to Nigeria. So I was always finding, trying to find a way to kind of put my foot back on ground. And, um, I went for a visit and I said, you know what, I really think that, um, I can start up a brand here. I can at least start making clothes here because back in America at that time, it was very hard finding ready to wear garments that were African print. You'd have to get them custom made. And that was just a tedious process. I'm like, I just want a a nice skirt, Um, Why do I have to go buy fabric, go get it made? So for me, it was that journey coming here and wanting to go back was always passion. I wanted to be around my family because I miss them a lot does
0: that answer your question? It it totally does. And I think, you know, I think I, I love asking that question because I think it is where we've, where we grew up and and kind of how our core values are formed in those early years. And so I find it so interesting that that's, you know, that stay with you the the entire time, all the way through. And we talked about this off air, but you know, you you actually started out in kind of broadcast journalism. You went to the University of Georgia and did that. Talk to us a little bit about you know, Sophia, the early days and, you know, in in high school as a teen and then the decision to actually do journalism, you know, was that kind of something you'd always wanted to do? Or did you think that would link you back to your African roots? You know, talk to us a little bit about that.
1: Yeah. So in, in high school, I was a theater nerd. I loved acting. I loved, I loved, oh my God. And that's probably why I'm so dramatic, but it did take me out of my comfort zone because I was very shy when I first moved to to America. I was really quiet. Of course, I had an accent. I was a little African girl. And when you're young, you are just you just don't want to stand out. And so acting was just the thing that kind of broke me out. And eventually I started getting very involved in different school activities. I remember in, I think in my younger days, I did the school announcement. So I did always have some kind of um, attachment to to broadcasting. Um, I went to college. I was going to do theater. Then it turned into public relations. And then I was like, heck, I'm just going to go into news. And I love news. I love journalism. I'm still a, like, I'm still a journalism nerd. I throw my shoe at the TV when the, <laughs> when the reporters are not getting the story right, or they didn't write it right. And I I went out of college into what I considered my dream job. I loved, like I said, reporting the news. I loved investigating. I loved the fact that people had a voice through me. They trusted me to tell their stories. They trusted me to, and, and my team trusted me. My, my, my newsroom trusted that when they sent me out there, I would get the job done. I was young. I was 22, 23, and I was really tough and a lot of my news a lot of people that knew me back then and know, that know me now are very shocked about the person I've become. I think I was a little too tough. Yeah, because I didn't like I loved I I felt like I needed to be that tough to do my job. Because if I'm going to get the story done, I need to speak to officials with a firmness. I need to enter my newsroom with a firmness. I need to be respected so that when I go out in the streets People respect me and respect my journalism. But the thing is, I didn't know how to separate the two from my personal self and my new self. So I came off very harsh. I left news to follow Bessida full time and took a lot of what I learned from news, like research and multitasking into entrepreneurship, which we know that's like a huge deal. Multitasking is the number one <laughs> skill for entrepreneurship. But what I love is that um, it changed me. It changed me. It made me a softer person. It made me a, someone who was more approachable. It just, it gave me a wider perspective on life. So, Besita, yes, it's a business for me, but it's also saved my life. It's also mm-hmm. become the thing that has made me just a better human being, which I think is the point of life yeah but I won't, I won't get too deep i won't get too
0: deep on you. oh no <laughs> I, I i love going deep this is just so so great and you know all of the amazing listeners can't see me but i'm nodding my head like yes in like agreement to all of this so i want to talk a bit about that time where you felt like you were harsh or you were just tough and, and whatnot, and that you felt like you had to put on that armor and that potentially that shell so that you could just show up in in your job and what you were trying to achieve. You know, I think so many of us, in particularly us, you know, women, young females, we feel like we almost have to be someone else in order to just do our day to day, you know, why do you think that is? And in your experience and, you know, kind of how you were, what do you think that was a defense mechanism and how did you kind of combat that?
1: It absolutely was a defense mechanism. Absolutely. A hundred percent. I didn't know that back then because I didn't have enough self-reflection for me. It was being a, a young journalist in a room, although all of my colleagues were young as well. I felt like the superiors, you know, always looked down on us and being so young and not, we don't know anything. And going out and talking to officials, most officials were men, you know, older white men at that. And I remember one story pulling up with the intern that I had, and she's a a young uh, white lady, younger than me. And the guest that I was interviewing went up to her first and was like, I'm so happy to meet with you today, Sophia. And, and I looked at that lady and I said, excuse me, miss, I'm, I'm the one interviewing you. You know, it was because of that, that I felt I had to put that up because I felt people were undermining me because I was young, because I was a woman, of course, because I was black. And, uh, unfortunately, putting up that like toughness then also feeds into the stereotype of being a, a black woman in America. But you know what? I I was great at it. I was, I I honestly will say that I really enjoyed what I did. And I was good at it, not just enjoy it. I was good at it. And what journalism did for me, that that boldness that I had, I felt did eventually give me that boldness I needed to step out and take on Bessina full time because I was no way ready to do that. But I felt, you know, because of that, that thing inside of me that all journalists have, that I could do anything and I could be successful doing it. So it worked to my benefit. However, in the beginning it was really hard trying to break out of that, out of that space.
0: I actually couldn't agree more. And, you know, I've been in situations where it's actually been for me more when I started my business and, you know, being so young, once again, hashtag young, whatever you want to call it. When people kind of look at you and you're in meetings and they're like, well, what's she doing? Like, what? who's she with? Which company? Like, I'm like, no, it's just me. Yeah. You know, and I think it's yeah, it's me and that's it. But I think it's almost, you know, and I've been in those situations where I'm kind of like, I need to act more like, you know, like a older person, and almost like a bit more manly and a bit more firm. And I just think it's just such a shame that we, especially you know, as young women, that we kind of have to feel we need to do this. You know, what advice would you give to our peers out there listening who maybe feel like they have to be a bit tougher than and you know have a harder shell than they actually really need to.
1: Um. I would say you need to think about why you're doing that in the first place. If it's to command respect, let your work command respect. If you're in a space and you're you're feeling like, you know, they don't respect you enough. No, don't put up that. That's a defense and it is just strictly like shallow. Present your work. If they see the work that you're putting out there and they know it's good, they're going to respect you. In fact, they're going to try to adapt to you because at the end of the day, it's about leadership. It's not about who's speaking the loudest in the room. It's about who is able to execute better. And that's, that's my advice. You do not have to put up that tough shell. In fact, your softness can be, can be motivational as well to people. They might look at that as a breath of fresh air because a lot of times, especially in business, it's looked at to be, you know, numbers, you know, what is, are you hitting your targets? This, 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 do all of that. Yes. You still have to do all of that, but the way you present your business does not have to be so stiff. It could be fun. Like I think I think that's where we're moving and shifting. Millennials are great at doing that. The next generation, I believe, is going to be better. Uh, so no, be yourself because it's a breath of fresh air.
0: How can we get better at being ourselves?
1: I think it's goes down to knowing your purpose and being confident in that. I think a lot of times... We are ashamed to be ourselves because we don't know where we're going. We don't know the destination. We don't know when we're going to get there. All the not knowing makes us fear, you know, and it makes, it takes us away from who we really are because we're just so blinded by fear. But once you know your purpose, you don't need to know your destination. You just need to know that the next step you make is the right step. And it's working for you, whichever way, even if it does not, act, that step does not turn out to be something, it is still working for you because it's still a lesson learned. So I think that once you know your purpose, you're able to really tap into deep down who you are. You're able to align with your purpose so that every step ends up being the right step for you. So I think, you know, a lot of times, We don't present ourselves in the best way because we don't know who we are because we don't know where we're going. And the thing is, you don't have to worry about that. Don't worry about where, don't do it. Do not, it is a big mistake. Just worry, just don't even worry. Just be concerned about your purpose. And then you start seeing yourself start blossoming out of that.
0: Ah. I love it, Sophia. It's just so, so too. And I actually just think that, you know, it, it literally just everything you said in that sentence, it's so much more about what your intention is, what your purpose is, as opposed to exactly knowing specifically where you're gonna be in a year or two. Hundred percent. So I want to talk a bit about the time where you really found your purpose. So you know I think it was July. 2015. You could correct me if I'm wrong. Where you decided to, you came up with the idea, I think, for Besida or you went out um, to do that. Maybe a year later, you actually left it to do a full time. Talk to us a little bit about when, what, how did how the idea for Besida came came about, and when you kind of knew that yes, this is connected to my purpose, and I need to go off and do this.
1: Right, so Bessida was very much an idea that I had in college um, in college, I was the girl who did all the fashion shows. I was the one like, "Oh, we've gotta do fashion, no matter what we do like <laughs> Do school, but make it fashion. And then I got involved in this African Student Union, which was just a coalition of Africans. And um, it's so funny because before I got involved in that, you could not tell me I was Nigerian. I do not eat the food. I do not dance. I do not listen to music. You know. And getting in in that organization really, I was able. I was proud to be African because everyone around me was, and everyone was so proud and so happy and cool. I'm like, y'all are cool. Like, it's not just like, you know, lame and weird to be an African kid. So that idea actually came to me like in 2012 and had been talking about it forever. And I remember telling my professor in 2013 that I didn't want to report. I wanted to go straight into that. And she said, don't do that. She said, just at least get a few years of reporting and then, you know, consider it. And I did. I did that. But while I was reporting, I went to Nigeria. That's when I came up with the, you know, the first collection. Just a few pieces fit in my suitcase. Coming back, 2015, launched it. Few products, one in each size. I think it was maybe like 20 products, honestly, that I brought back, and that was the beginning of it. I knew it was my purpose before then. I did, because I knew I had to do something for Nigeria. I knew that before before I even started the business. And I think the business was just an avenue for me to one, solve a problem, which was that I couldn't find clothes that you know represented my identity as a black woman. And also solve the problems in Nigeria, which is low. Low wages for um, a lot of people. Not enough work. Not enough industry as well. So I was killing two birds with one stone, and I, I still believe that's my purpose. There are days that I will tell you that I am quit. I'm quitting that right now. <laughs> like, I, like, what are you doing? Oh, I Pick understand. Up, you take down all the signs. You delete the website. I'm done. But in the back of my head, I still know forever and ever, this is my purpose. Absolutely.
0: Mm. It's just so amazing that you came to it. I think what you're doing in general, but then that you came to it so young, you know, you were just in college, you, you, you know, you were just kind of figuring out who you were at the time. And it's amazing that this purpose that still holds so strong and, and will continue to has kind of was, was born at that time. What advice, I guess, would you give to our peers out there listening around getting clear on their purpose? You know, I know so many of us, we, we it's not as clear and we're kind of floundering in jobs and in, in careers that we we don't even really like, that don't even really resonate with us, but we just, we have no clue where to look or, or what to do next. So talk to us a little bit about and, and what advice would you give on that?
1: Right. For me... My purpose, finding that was always finding it in God. I am um, very spiritual. I, Jesus is my Lord and Savior. And that was, the, that was the number one way for me because I would always feel this thing inside of me. Like it felt like something was cu- trying to come out of me <laughs> and um, was only satisfied whenever I would do research on, you know, starting up this brand. Uh, so that was that was what it was for me however i know everyone else is not is not there where i am with my relationship with god i would say it's it's your passion as well as your your enthusiasm to make that passion successful it's not your purpose if you're not passionate about it it's not your purpose if you're not enthusiastic about making that that passion something you do forever And something that can change other people's lives. If it's just for you and yourself and selfishly for you, it is not a purpose. It is just a passion. But if it's something that could change the world in some way, somehow, whether it's even if it's music, playing the drums, that could be your purpose. You don't know who you're gonna be playing for one day, and it's gonna affect so many people around you. You do have to make sure that it does impact people in some way. I don't believe that we're given a purpose without it having impact on other people's lives. It can't just be solely for us. It's gotta be for others. It is actually nothing. I don't even think it's any it has anything to do with us, that purpose. I think it has everything to do with others. And taking care of others, inspiring others to do better. I I honestly think, I mean, think about the the others that have pushed on with their purpose. Uh, Amazon, you know, Jeff, look at that. Think of Facebook and his purpose and look how many, you know, millions of people that has impacted. It cannot be for you. It can't be.
0: It's just, it's so interesting. And I think I think you're just so right. I think it, it's so much bigger than us. And I think that's almost when you, you feel like you, it's almost like when you're getting warm, if you feel like it's more than just you or it's bigger than you, it's almost like, okay, you're getting warmer. You're getting warmer. And so I think it's almost keeping that, yeah, in mind. And I think you just put that so, so well. Amazing. So I want to talk a little bit about the formation of, um, of Besida and how you actually built the brand and kind of essentially the first few steps. So, you know, you're in college or you're, you're, you're now in journalism and, and you're doing that and you're still working at this on the side. What were those first few steps that you took to really get it off the ground? And then at what point did you go, you know what, I just have to do this full time.
1: Right. So those were definitely the two biggest steps that I made. Um, that first step is the hardest step. It's the it's the most important step. And for me, uh, it was, a, I don't have any design experience. First of all, that's always good to know, tell people, because I don't, I'm not a traditional designer. I don't pull out a sketch pad and start sketching. What I do is I have these ideas or visions, or I'll have a garment myself in my closet. And I said, you know what? I want this made in print. So I would take pieces back to Nigeria that I wanted made. I would put my own twist on it because I wanted it to be Bessie does like have that thing that you look at and you're like, that's, you know, that's a Bessita piece. And then that's the wonderful thing about the, the tailors in Nigeria. They're so creative. They would put their own touch to it as well. And, I was very strict about making sure that they're mass producing in, not mass production, really, because we don't do mass production, but they're producing in quantities, but they have to be exactly the same. If a small in this piece has to fit the same, the next small you make has to be exactly the same, which is what we're used to in America, in Western nations. But in a lot of African nations, they only make one garment. You know, custom made. That's it. So I was bringing a new idea for a lot of them. They weren't used to that. So I had to be kind of tough on them on that, but they learned and they were able to follow. So pushover 2016, my contract at my station was over and they were letting me stay a few extra months to kind of decide what I wanted to do. And I knew I didn't want to stay there. They asked to renew my contract and I knew I didn't want to stay there anymore. I felt like I had outgrown that station, but I also felt like, okay, well, if I just take a few months off of news and then, you know, work on Bessie Dub, like really, really dig, dig, dig for like four months and grow it so big, so awesome, and like, you know, just a million dollar brand in four months, then I'll be able to go to news. Like, you know, when you're 25, that's what you think. That's kind of what you think. You think everything, especially in the millennials, we think everything is a microwave. We pop it in there, we whip it out. And I was like, okay, you know, like, I left in June. I was like, definitely, at least by, like, November, I'm back on TV. Girl, when I say I was slapped in the face, in the face, I remember going to a broadcast. It's called NABJ. They have this convention, and i um, They had it in D.C. that year. It's like the National Association of Black Journalists. And a lot of people connect there. A lot of people find jobs there. And I remember being there and I was like, okay, you know, it's August now. It's time to really come on and get this job. And like no one was really feeling me. Like I felt like I was hitting roadblocks after. But I'm like, but I'm good at my job. Like I'm great at this. And. Even had, you know, a meeting with one of the news directors and he was like, oh, you're awesome. I'm like, yes. He even went out for a dinner and it was just great. And I was like, I'm sure enough going to this station. And I remember crying in the bathroom during that conference because nothing was working out. Yes, you know, I was getting, okay, good, good, good. But I could feel in my spirit that it's not gonna, it's not going to turn into anything. Everything is about to change for your whole life because it is not gonna go according to your plan. And it was also the, the fact that I was back home. Um, I, th- I had to move back home. And I had a lot of shame with that as well, because I was like, I've always been independent, even in college, I have to be back here. And my mom wasn't as supportive. She felt like, okay, I sent you to school to go and read, read news. Yeah, I read your news now. Yeah, i doing well. Everybody see our television. What's it this? Why do you want to sell sell clothes from Nigeria? What's it You know, and she saw no, she saw, like, she did not see my vision. And I told her, I said, but mom, Bessie is going to be a very important brand, not just for people to wear, but for people to feel, to love, to understand where it comes from, the passion it takes. I said. You got to believe in me, and of course, she's my mama. She's gonna support me. She definitely thought that I w- it was the biggest mistake of my life. So I think I gave up like on trying to get into TV like early 2017. <clears throat> that was a hard year for me. That was really really hard for me because I knew I had to like just put that on pause at least and really focus on bessida And um, 2018, I opened up the factory. 2019, I saw an increase in sales. And here we are, 2020, and we're on Forbes, girl. We're we on the Forbes
0: oh! <laughs> So good. Oh, wow. And, you know, your your story is just, uh, yeah, it's so, so powerful. And I think just back to the idea of, of so many of us – have that where maybe we've got this idea or we've got this passion or this vision or whatever it may be and then the people around us they can't they don't really get it you know and they're kind of like what are you you, this is a bad idea doesn't make sense go back to your job you know what how did you persist? How did you keep going even when for years it doesn't, like, you know, entrepreneurship for years it doesn't work out, you know? So talk to us a little bit about how you were able to get through that, especially that 2017 year.
1: God, at the end of the day, it was God. I mean, I have journals. Like, I wish I, I think I have one in here. One, like, I have, I literally journaled my way through 2016 part of that was rough 2017 was really rough i was oh my god i was making decisions that were just so bad um 2018 into, into it was rough for me the persistence first of all if i if i could go back to news i would have but i felt like it was just a block there and sometimes i think we we take that block no we not I think we definitely take that block as we're not good enough. So my identity then became attached to the fact that my business was not doing as well as I wanted it to. The fact that I wasn't able to go back on TV. Um I felt and that was what I attached my self-worth to. So I was I was really, I'm now that I think about it, I'm like, dang, that was a real, I don't want to use the word depressed because I did not get diagnosed for depression, but it was a really sad time. And I remember isolating myself. Like, I wouldn't go out. I wouldn't really go out with friends, only just my core group of friends, but I didn't have a core group of friends because I didn't want to have to explain to anyone, you know, what was happening. And... For me, it was just that, you know, I've just felt God always telling me, like, you don't worry, like in due time, like you will reap a harvest. In due time, you will see this all make sense. And I would read several stories in the Bible about how certain people had to go through a lot. Like, you know, my favorite story is Joseph in the Bible and how he went through so much, you know, as a kid and Then suddenly he had like this breakthrough that was unbelievable in his life. And God told me, he said that right now, like I am making you better this season. You're looking at it as a season of lack, a season where you don't have any self-worth. But what I'm doing is actually polishing you. I'm making you humble. I'm making sure you understand the importance of giving, hard work, that not everything comes at once, but patience has her perfect work. I need you to learn this now, so that you can handle when everything is all great, or all the you know all the orders start fl- orders start flowing in, or all you know that's going you know, reaches its full potential. I need you to understand these things now, because you never want to be conceited. You ne- I never like God will always tell me, I never want you to be conceited. So you know, just understand that this is a humbling time for you. And I still didn't understand. I'm like, I don't care. <laughs> I want it now. Like, I, I do not have to do this. Like, I don't, why am I stressed? Why am I always calling Nigeria, you know, two in the morning, I'm having heart attacks when a shipment is coming. Cause I don't know who is going to mess up now. And it was just like that soft voice, like, it's okay, don't worry, this is very temporary. When I look back on it, it was really just a polishing phase for my character. I needed to be humble. I it. I'm like, I am so humble right now. I don't care what you tell me to do. I will do it sweet, whatever it is. I don't care. I am so humble right now. Because you never know where someone is going to go. You never know. Mm.
0: It's Oh, it's just so, so true. And I think you just put that so well. And I think, you know, for those of us who have stepped out on our own or for those of us who are doing a side hustle or changing careers or whatever it may be, I think that just resonates so much because it's it's almost it's not meant to be easy. Like, it's not meant to be. That's not how this goes. And I think, you know, but especially for us millennials and Gen Z and whatnot, we're like, why is this not done yesterday? How are we not like, you know, million dollars? Thank you very much. After six months, you know, it's, it's almost like we're, we're a bit warped in our, um, in our perception of how things go. And I think, Yeah, it is that we sometimes need to get humble, humbled, and we need to just appreciate that this is just a journey. It's a process. It's a
1: process.
0: Process. Process.
1: You know what? I know brands that blew up. I mean, personally, I, I know a brand that blew up within two years into millions in sales. They don't exist anymore. I'm saying, if you do not go through that process and understand how to one, you know <laughs> understand cash flow and understand how to manage your money, your finances, understand how to under you know deal with customers, things like that, you will fail. It is hard to say this if you do not build your foundation on the values that you believe in, you will fail. If you try to rush any process, I hate to say that because I know in a lot of people's hearts, they just want it quickly. But let me tell you, quickly does not last forever. Think about fast food and think about the food that you make, you know, slowly at home. Fast food, the next day, you do not want to eat McDonald's fries. Actually, no, not even within two hours, you don't want to eat McDonald's french fries. But, you know, make a sweet potato souffle at home. Make, you know, whatever, green bean casserole at home. You can eat that for a couple of days. You know, put it in a microwave after or whatever. So I'm saying, I know, I know in the moment, especially for some people listening, in the moment, you want it now. But focus on building your foundation now and get ready for that overflow because it's coming. It's not coming now because you're not ready for it. And trust me, if it came right now, you would fall flat on your face. And if you want some examples, send me a message. I will send you a lot of examples of people who have failed because they moved too too quickly. Mm
0: Just so so true. Oh my goodness, Sophia! You and I could talk for hours. I'm absolutely loving this, and I know our peers out there listening are internalizing it just like how I am right now. So, I've got a kind, I've got a couple of final few questions for you. The first one is: We've talked a lot about kind of your. your not your challenges. We've really talked about your challenges and whatnot. What do you believe has been your greatest failure to date?
1: Ooh, um, greatest failure would certainly be not understanding the business aspect soon enough. Like I said, this year, I'm just understanding um many of the business, even business terms. Like I didn't get that before. <laughs> I was just like... Sell the products. Like just sell them. I don't care what your ROI is. Like who cares about a balance sheet? Nobody <laughs> cares. Just make 2 million in sales. Just do that. <laughs> and that was my biggest mistake because I believe that your product itself might be 15% of your business. It might it might hold that much weight. It's your marketing it's your it's your strategy. That is the most important part of your business. I always think of Tori Birch, you know, world renowned designer. Well, I consider her a businesswoman. I don't know how much she actually designs. And that's what I mean. Yeah, that's what I mean, is that she does not she has a business mind. So if you're a creative, and that's a very hard place to be as a creative to to be able to have uh, think with both sides because a lot of times the creative side of your brain doesn't function well with the business side. And even talent as well. Whatever talent you're having, it's not, it just does not, it's not on the same platform. So you have to find days where you do business. And if you don't know how to do it, confide in someone, find someone, maybe even a friend. You'd be surprised you have a friend in your clique that knows numbers, that understands business. They'll be able to say, you know what, I'll just do it. I'll just do it do it for the research. If you have the money to pay them, pay them. Pay the person who's doing it. But you do need to follow some kind of business regimen. Um, for me, that was, and that's still to me my biggest failure. I am just just now getting on top of it. Uh, I say in 2021, I feel like I'm gonna be this killer businesswoman um that understands yeah. their strategies. We'll see how that goes. Um, but I have, I had a friend, my best friend, Jasmine, who who really tried to drill that in my head earlier on and it did eventually stick it did and that's when i started feeling like i was seeing success is when i attached some business to the to besita
0: yeah mm. so valuable business 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 it's what we it's what we're all gonna try and learn i love it so look, over the last few years, Sophie, you've really gone from strength to strength. You've received so much recognition for your work. You know, despite all the the struggles and the challenges, you really have kind of just flourished. And especially in this last year. You were recently, as we mentioned, listed on the Forbes 30 Under 30 list—an absolutely incredible achievement. And it's actually how I found you, so I'm so excited that that you made the list for 2021, and it's so so well deserved. So, what are th- what are three key pieces of advice that you, that you'd give to our peers out there listening that you wish you got when you were just starting out?
1: Um, number one, and I always tell say this is that you're gonna fall. You've got to get up, okay? People are going to tell you no. Move on. Like, do not wallow in the no's because the yeses make up for the no's. I know it doesn't sound proportional. You get five no's and one yes, but that one yes means so much more than those five no's. It does. So. That you cannot take that to heart. So absolutely, you your fall when you fall, you become stronger. The next time you fall, you become stronger. You're gonna be well into your business. I don't care if you're making billions of dollars. You are still gonna fall. Like that's something that never. I don't know why why we think this that when we make it that we just are not gonna make any mistakes or not ha- going to have, the problems actually become more. They they just do. And they have more repercussions because you will have employees. Yeah. You know, know, it's not just you having to maybe scale back and eat mm. ramen noodles for, you know, two months. It it could literally mean whole people's lives, you know. So understand that, you know, failure does not, you, you it's not failure. It's just a fault. You did not fail. It's a fault. Just keep it moving. Number two, I would say would have been, I wish someone did tell me the power of numbers first, as far as the power of my numbers, understanding things like sales and, uh, uh, you know, what, what price point to put my products at, because it was very low at a certain point. What amount of sizes like you know how many smalls are people buying how many mediums are people buying like focus on that and so that when you produce you're doing it in proportion to your you know your numbers not just how you think is what you think is best and it would have it was adver- advertising is number third the number three piece of advice is uh, right now we live in an age of advertisement um of facebook ads of google ads They are so cheap compared to any other advertisement out there. Understand what your target audience is. Go ahead and build out a campaign. I taught myself how to create ads and we will eventually hand it off to someone. But that has, I wish that was drilled in my head earlier. I would have definitely started off with that. And um, I'm sorry, one more piece of advice is you need to break out of that isolation. A lot of people are isolated. entrepreneurship. You need to connect. Go ahead and and connect with other people. I know it feels awkward, but guess what? Your connections grow. You know, before you know it, you're meeting this person, this person, that person's introducing you to this. And um, you don't necessarily have to try to um, connect with people who are higher than you. You don't necessarily have to do that. Connect with people who are kind of on your level. You all will grow together. It's called, there's a word for it, it's horizontal. Uh, I remember someone taught me about it. I'll figure it out later. But um, horizontal networking, because you all are eventually going to grow together and get to that point where you want to. So definitely find, um, find a group, uh, find a mentor, but you do not be isolated in entrepreneurship. Don't
0: do it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So valuable. The first thing that comes to mind there is peers to peers. Yeah. You know, this yes. is the aim. This is what we're trying to achieve here. And you just mm-hmm. nailed that with the last one. I actually couldn't agree more. Oh my goodness, Sophia! I just want to take a moment. This has just been so amazing. I want to take a moment to acknowledge you for the phenomenal work that you've done and that you're doing, for really showing us the value of persistence, of hard work, of grit, and of being our feminine energy for those of our, you know, female peers listening. And we we just so appreciate you for that.
1: Thank you. I'm so happy you mentioned the feminine energy. We definitely, feminine energy does not have to be this really, we don't, we don't have to be so tough. We can really tap into our feminine energy. That tenderness is also very powerful, very powerful. So thank you for mentioning that.
0: I love it. I couldn't agree more. So our final question is how we finish every episode of the Peers to Peers podcast. And that is, what is the value of pursuing what you're most passionate about?
1: Ooh, I think the value is in your character. You if you are, if you know that you're doing what you're supposed to be doing, you will expand your character. You'll become a better person. You'll become an, a loving person. You'll become the person that everyone wants to confide in. You will attract good things to you, to yourself. I think that that value is, is just your character. I just cannot explain that in a way that you, you can understand unless you start doing it. I think a lot of times we think it's uh Just, just do, do it, do what you're passionate about, make a lot of money from it, maybe sell it and then move on to something else you're passionate about. I don't think so. I think it's about do what you're passionate about and become a better person because of it. You know, be a happy person because of it. Be a full person. Don't lack anything. Have good relationships. Like, you know, understand that you got to be slow to anger understand that you know there is so much beauty in giving to people just those those core like things that I know our parents tried to build in us you know when we were younger and we somehow got lost with school and trying to be excellent and work at the end of the day that's what it all boils down to your passion should make you a better person
0: oh Sophia oh my goodness this was just so amazing. You are amazing. You said that so well. We so appreciate you. And where can people learn more about you and Besida?
1: Absolutely. So it's uh, shopbesida.com, S-H-O-P-B-E-S-I-D-A. Funny thing is Besida means destiny determines all. Oh, and if that's not oh, even stop. the perfect uh,
0: <laughs> it does though it does so perfect actually amazing oh i love it follow us there um and
1: instagram is at shopbesida s-h-o-p-b-e-s-i-d-a
0: perfect amazing we will link them up in the show notes thank you so much again sophia this has been so amazing
1: it's a pleasure
0: amazing and for everyone else listening we will end with that that's a wrap. Thank you for tuning in to the latest episode of the Peers to Peers podcast. We hope you've enjoyed your introduction to our latest guest peer and that you find them as gung-ho as we do, which is our way of saying inspirational. For more, make sure to subscribe to our show on iTunes, Spotify or any app where podcasts are played and leave us a review. We produce with passion, and it doesn't stop here. To see what else we're up to, visit thepeersproject.com or follow us on Instagram at thepeersproject. We'll have fresh, real talk for you next week, peers. Until then, if you need inspiration, look amongst your peers.